Making a statement with bank statements, you'd better believe it because within the bank statement, there's the potential to share information with consumers that empowers them, informs them, and can you believe it? Increases loyalty to financial institutions to explain how it all works. We have Tori Van Cura Rutland, the Chief Growth Officer at HC3. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. If you're looking to grow your digital banking business, check out Lemonade LXP, the digital growth platform for financial institutions and fintechs. Lemonade LXP has both ingredients you need to drive digital growth, a learning experience platform that uses daily micro-learning to give staff the knowledge and confidence they need to promote and support your digital capabilities, and a digital adoption platform that supports your digital capabilities with technology walkthroughs that you can author in just minutes. So if you're rolling out new technology, merging with or acquiring another FI, or just looking to drive digital banking growth, you gotta drink the lemonade. For more information, check out Lemonade LXP at www.lemonadelxp.com. Thanks again for tuning into Bankadelic, part of the NMD Plus family of podcasts based in London, England. And today on the show, what a treat. I always love it when I have someone who has an arts connection as well as deep experience in financial services. And we have Tori Vancura Rutland. Tori is the chief growth officer at HC3. And in that role, she's responsible for the marketing, business development, and project management teams. Prior to joining HC3, Tori served as associate director to Ballet Tennessee, sales project manager with Wolverine Worldwide based in New York, and with the sales development team at Nine West Group in Illinois. She served on the following boards of directors, Arts Build, Ballet Tennessee, the Bessie Smith Cultural Center, and Tennessee Association of Dance, and today serves on the board of directors for the Association for Financial Technology. Wow. <laughs> You're a tough act to follow, Tori. Welcome to Bankadelic. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Now, what do you do as a chief growth officer? What does that role entail? So that is sort of a running joke at the office because I happen to be the shortest person on staff. <laughs> oh, no. I stopped growing a long time ago, at least, you know, vertically. But I'm really in charge of our marketing and PR, how we talk about the company, how we develop our business, whether we're reaching to prospects or clients. And also from that, how we implement it. I always joke that I didn't want our project management team to be the dream killer where sales sells a vision and then a client gets into project management and they crush it because that's just not feasible. So having everything under one umbrella here in our department really allows for us to honestly talk about what we can do for prospects and clients and then do it and have a really steady business. So that's sort of how we look at growth within HC3. It's both from the business side, but as well from the client side that they're getting the solutions that they want. Fantastic. And then if we 
move that, we're talking about solutions, into the space of bank statements. Here is again a case of Lou really doesn't know. He needs to find out. Is I would have never thought of bank statements as something that would be a growing edge for financial institutions. Why are bank statements so important and what's missing there that your company is trying to provide? Yes, that's a great question. So bank statements are, I call them the original remote banking tools. So before you had call centers and online banking and mobile banking, a bank statement was your only account information that you could get outside of going into the bank yourself. So that summary of account, list of transactions, your deposits, withdrawals and things came via a bank statement. Historically, it really did have a purpose. And so companies like HC3 have developed because at some point with online banking and also you have to look at the use and adoption of debit cards and electronic transactions, what bank statements looked like originally, which was like cash withdrawals and checks and things like that, shifted to a lot of transactional data. And that's an important moment in time because suddenly the bank is seeing, you know, how many times I go to McDonald's or Starbucks or go buy shoes or things like that because those transactions are getting swiped. So it became an opportunity to suddenly clean up the look of a bank statement and also potentially create some space for marketing. And that's sort of where HC3 and other vendors in our statement sphere kind of came in to help rebrand and engage something that has to be sent every single month if there's some sort of transactional activity with that DDA savings account. That's sort of the, you know, original remote banking tool before there was online banking. Yeah. And then it's kind of evolved into a brand and marketing piece. And really what's missing from it, because a lot of us can go into online banking and take a quick look at where things are, is a big hole. Like there's a big hole of what's next, what's happening. And you can talk to vendors and fintechs and we can all kind of project it should be this, it should be, you know, HTML interactive statements or video statements. But I think it's one of those things where when people are having a struggling moment with their reconciling or looking at their account, it's what information is the bank already not telling or providing back to that consumer? And I think that's really the future of bank statements. And so companies like HC3 are there to help make banks stronger in their relationships with their consumers and to also take off that burden of developing something that they're not good at. Banks are good at banking. They're not good at, you know, maybe generating tons of critical communications and managing that data so that it has more of an impact to those consumers and those end users. So that's where we can come in and take that burden. And I had a client tell me a couple of weeks ago, he's like, I realized we're not a post office. Like we don't need to be managing all of these documents physically, especially we need to get back to banking. And I think it's the best quote I've ever heard because it really does get to the heart of this is something that they need to do for end users, but I think it definitely needs a rebirth. And that's one of the fun things I want to talk to you about. Yeah. And let's talk about that. I have heard the story from different people in the industry about how when Steven Spielberg needed special effects for a film, he didn't try to do it himself. He would call George Lucas. He's like, well, I'm good at some things, but I need help with other things. So if we're going to talk about this, let's say I'm sitting down with you and I'm beginning the conversation this way. Tori, this is great. Okay, this is our bank statement. I'm not really sure how to get started at this. What's the first thing we need to look at? 
So if I'm talking to an FI, the first thing is, you know, your data and where is it coming from? Are you coming from like the core? Are you going to send it to us? So there's a lot of big moving pieces. There are banks that, you know, they're using Jack Henry, FIS, Fiserv, CSI, any of those or other smaller cores. And some of them are hosted by the core, which means the core has all the data and all the control. And some of them manage that core program in the actual FI. So we have to unpack who has the data and can we get it? The first big step. Yeah. And then it's really helping them understand how do you want to relay that to the consumer? Because the way it comes out today isn't necessarily meaningful. It's a lot of code. If you see two or three transaction lines for going to Starbucks and think about how many times people go to you know, a coffee shop or a restaurant, especially if, like if they travel and are on the road like I am, that can be pages of you know, <laughs> transactions that I don't necessarily want to see like that. And so you know, by partnering with fintechs you know, where they can cleanse that data, like they do in online banking, a lot of times that can then make that transaction line one line. So you already start to make it simpler and an easier experience when people do need to read statements. And I'm going to go on the record here. I know people don't read statements all of the time. Bankers don't read statements and my fintech friends don't hardly ever look at statements, but there are people who do. And we know this because when I'm prospecting and working with potential clients, one of the first pain points I hear besides, you know, it's hard to change my statement or I can't get this out of the core my vendor or whoever's doing my statements today, they're mailing late. My front end, my bank tellers, my customer care call centers, they're tired of hearing that the statement's mailed late. And so people are reading them and looking at them for whatever reason they look at them. And they're waiting for that document either to be digitally presented or printed and mailed. And so there is a need, even though fintech and bankers don't see it. Yeah. I think that's the real pain point. We have to kind of unpack why are they looking at it and what else can it mean? And the fantastic thing about what you're saying there is an acknowledgement, no matter how a business feels about it one way or the other, if people are looking at their statements, they're looking at their statements. And that needs to be acknowledged because that is the case of meeting customers where they are. Now, when we look at what a successful, really killer bank statement looks like and how it works. What are we seeing? Help me to understand that. Yeah, so I think from the end user experience, you know, most people, I would say, you know, who do open their mouths, about 70% want to scan the document. So if you have an easy call out for the activity summary, a lot of banks use big, thick bars to separate sections, get rid of that. You don't use it in online banking. You know, use color to call out sections, use icons like you do in the online banking experience, pull those same icons for dollar signs or debits, things like that, pull them over to the statement to quickly identify, oh, here are my credits, here are my debits, here's the date. I mean, like lots of neat things that you already use in online banking, pull those icons, pull that color over to easier call out sections. That helps people get that summary and jump to the sections that they want to look at. Again, most people are scanning. They just want to make sure everything looks fine and they put it away and they forget about it. But that's the biggest miss that I see today is people still design a statement like it's the 1990s. And most end users, whether they're super proficient in digital tools or not, are used to having some sort of digital experience. So leveraging calendar icons and again, section icons, color, keeping it a clean, crisp background 
will help people have that sort of similar experience. So it's not so disjointed. I can't believe it when I have banks tell me, oh yeah, I've got a redesign statement and I see it and it's these big, thick black bars or blue bars that separate the sections. <laughs> you know, so it's finding the right way to lay out so that if you do have an image, it pops out and it reads to you. You don't have to have like three images on there. <laughs> so again, it's designing with purpose. You know, not designing for you, the FI, like I want to do this. And so this is what I'm going to do. But meeting, like you said, your end user where they are, which is I need to get something out of this. I need to know where my account is. I need to be able to quickly process it. And oh, look, there's a message from my FI. How great is that? Like it needs to be that simple. The more complex you get with adding kinds of different like sections and a lot of times it's just crazy color. Like suddenly people could do things with color and on-demand printing and they just went nuts you actually create chaos and people don't know where to look. So you want to drive the eye to those key callouts using icons and color headings. Yeah, and I love that idea of yelling at people with art. That's what I think punk rock is all about, right? Oi! <laughs> yes, love it. I'm stealing that expression. I think it is great. Now, one of the most incredible things, and it has at this point become a standard saying, was that during COVID, we made seven years of digital technological progress in one calendar year. Absolutely incredible. When you look ahead to what bank statements might be like, whether it's in the near term or longer term, what do you see? Some of this is starting, but I see relaying back key account information that banks already have. So if I have, you know, four or five subscriptions and I get a new recurring subscription relaying, hey, you've got an added subscription this month from Netflix or passing back deeper categorization on spending. They show that sometimes in online banking. But again, that's a momentary snapshot. That's this minute. You know, if I can look at over a month, my categorization, and I don't have to drive all the data in the online banking experience and, and push this date to this date range, but it's just formatted for me. I think that will really start to shift. I think also a lot of people don't think about this, but the end user, I own my data. So whether Wells Fargo or Bank of America or a local bank here, uh, America's First is my credit union, like all of these other FIs out there, I own whatever data they have. And so it would be great using open APIs to figure out how that data could be shifted so I could actually get one financial statement and really see what the financial wellness is at a higher level. I think we're really far away from that, but that's something that, you know, I kind of, as an end user, I'm like, why do I have to have seven or eight disparate statements that I have to then put together? Is there a way to unite these that I can see them in the, these analytics together? So that, that's my lazy self. I don't want to have to like put all of this into a program and take a look at it. I want someone to do it for me. So that's one way I think I see it going. I also see that bank statements may have some other interactive aspect. I don't think video has really hit it yet. I know vendors that do that. I know end users that have the experience and it's sort of a disconnect. So I think it's really the biggest challenge is when people do call into an FI and it's like, hey, I haven't seen my statement in online banking or received it in the mail yet, ask follow-up questions like, oh my gosh, you know, okay, we'll get on that, we'll follow up with you. But hey, how often do you look at your statement? What's missing from it? Banks have all the data because they have the consumers. So I feel like if we can get better at asking those questions, we'll see really quickly what other neat digital experiences we can create 
for the statement experience, because it is different. You know, when you go into online banking, it's momentary. It's here. This is where you are in this moment. There is something to be said for having an account summary. Like a, I look at it as my financial wellness report card. How is this account doing right now? Is it healthy? You know, or is it sort of, oh, I need to probably stop my Starbucks and my coffee drinking and save a little more every week that way. And that's what I think statements can really start to evolve into data companies and statement providers. I think we have a lot of opportunity because of transactional data data that we see to help consumers be more financially viable. And that's at least my dream for it, is that ultimately consumers have a better financial grounding than they do today. I can definitely see a day where those things happen a lot of the really, really smart people I have had on this podcast are saying exactly what you're saying, that any tool that the bank uses to convey financial information can also be holistic. And it can be something that helps people with their financial wellness journey, that educates them, that informs them, that shows them how to make great use of their money. It may cost the bank very little, but the customers will be so grateful. One thing I was curious about, if it's okay to ask you, is you've got quite an impressive arts background as well. And regular listeners know that I'm a musician. You hear the Bankadelic theme music, that's me. And you had parents who were ballet dancers. You have extensive background in ballet. What do you think your background in the arts gives you that you take into this job that really helps you and that makes you passionate about the work you do? Oh, yeah. I think people don't always understand this, but with great discipline comes freedom. When you become an expert and you understand something really well, you have a foundation that then allows you to be free. And I know there's a lot of people who think, oh, ballet is very restrictive and very uptight, but it's a great art that gives you this foundation to move and express. And I found great freedom through discipline. As a child, I didn't want it. You know, I definitely wanted to do my own thing and run around the studio and teach everybody what I wanted to do. <laughs> Definitely a little bit of a leader from the get-go there. Had to work on that, but I really found that going in and taking class every day, learning the process, following through on that process, that suddenly I would see things and I had a vocabulary, a discipline that I could suddenly use and I could create such great art that way. And so I think when you move into any form of business, but especially in fintech, you have to understand the industry you're in and I lean on people for that because I have maybe a little less than some of them, but I've learned a lot. And what I do is I then apply our knowledge base about FIs and, you know, end user experience and the statements and try to look at it in a different way that we can be leaders. And I think that's what the arts give you. You know, it, it isn't just about the creativity, but it's about that discipline of going back and practicing and learning. And that gives you this basis to kind of find a freedom that's really beautiful and I think it puts you ahead in so many situations because you, you see things differently. But again, you have to have that grounding, that basis. So that would be my big, everyone should study ballet. <laughs> Absolutely. I could not agree more. The vision, the passion, the intelligence, and the dedication that you bring to this all speaks to not only a great arts background, but a way of taking all of those things, and I'm going to use your words, discipline brings freedom, right? 
just really commendable the work you're doing. I'm so grateful you made time today and hopefully we can do this again at some point, Tori. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here and I love your podcast. So it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's always great to hear. Tori Van Cura Rutland is the chief growth officer at HC3. She is based in Birmingham, Alabama. Be sure to look for Tori on LinkedIn. You're listening to Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at NMD Plus, based in London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas. If you like what you've heard here, be sure to check out NMD Plus's financial technology podcast, Dave and Darm Demystify, with hosts Dave Wallace and Darmesh Mystery. Bankadelic. Sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Have you thought about how you'll gain the upper hand in your search for stellar talent? Banker Hire leverages a niche industry with uncommon insight. They're committed to finding you qualified commercial and community banking, lending, compliance, HR, retail, and wealth talent. Banker Hire prides itself on listening and solving problems. Their approach is 100% hands-on and heads-up, giving you what you need to make smart, actionable decisions. For more information, visit BankerHire.com. Well, on behalf of everyone at our Challenger Bank, we want to thank you for doing this phone call with us today, Mr. Huckabee. Mr. Huckabee. Yeah, that's right. John Huckabee. Okay, Mr. Huckabee, tell us a little bit about your business. We want to help you with growth. Growth is our priority. It's the number one thing we do. Well, our business is growing, and that concerns me. Well, of course, scaling up is a very... No, I mean, it concerns me because our business is shrinking. Wait, you just said your business is growing. That's right. So how could your business be growing and shrinking at the same time? Well, last year we used to have 200 plants, and now we only have five. Wait a second. That's a really dramatic drop, and yet you said your business is growing, and then you said your business was shrinking. That's right. We grow marijuana plants. You know, Mary Jane, pot, dubers, whatever you want to call it. We love it. Oh, okay. I understand. Yeah, and our shrinking business is growing. Wait a second. I, now, look, Mr. Hennessy. That's Huckabee. John Huckabee. Okay, Mr. Huckabee. Care to explain? That's the other business we do. They, they get on those peliotons and they take those Pilates classes and their jeans are too big for them, so we shrink them. They're shrinking business. That's growing. <sighs> okay, so your growing business is shrinking and your shrinking business is growing. That's right. Let me see. Let's back up a minute here. Maybe you can tell me how much in revenues you made overall last year. What's a revenue? How much money did you make last year? Well, that's easy. About $125 million. $125 million? 
Oh, look. Just looking at your balance sheet, you have a marijuana operation with five plants. You are shrinking jeans. How is Listen, that? Listen, mister, we got these amazing counterfeiting machines from the Eastern Bloc. And I got to tell you, they print $100 bills that nobody would recognize as being fake. And now, Bankadelic done present. Three bullseyes. Number one. Bank statements are, I call them the original remote banking tool. So before you had call centers and online banking and mobile banking, a bank statement was your only account information that you could get outside of going into the bank yourself. Number two. People still design a statement like it's the 1990s and most end users are used to having some sort of digital experience. So leveraging calendar icons, section icons, color will help people have that sort of similar experience. So it's not so disjointed. Number three. Statements can really start to evolve into this financial wellness review. And I think data companies and statement providers, we have a lot of opportunity because of transactional data, data that we see to help consumers be more financially viable. And that's at least my dream for it, is that consumers have a better financial grounding than they do today. And now, Louis Views. Tori Van Cura Rutland of HC3 really shared some insights that got me thinking. And thinking leads to imagination, right? It's that idea that the only thing there's a shortage of in the world of financial services today is imagination. The bank statement is the ultimate example of this. Long ago, and at the beginning, it conveyed information. Here's how much you have. Here's how much you've spent. Here's when it posted, etc., etc. When we think about what this can be and what it's becoming because of companies like HC3, the future is really exciting. I, for one, envision a time where maybe that statement comes with a two-minute graphic video. Hi, Lou. Here's what you spent on this month. Wow, you spent a lot of time at the coffee shop. And maybe you can put a little bit more into your retirement savings. Your bank account reflects you've got the room to do it. This is the promise of the digital era, that we go from one-size-fits-all communication into an area of hyper-personalization. The bank statement can be the key. And why can we do it? That's simple. The data is there. All we need is vision to utilize that data in ways that make customers prosper. And when they prosper, they become more loyal and more grateful. All through a bank statement. I can't wait to open my email from the bank to see what's coming up next. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Ken Montone. Our business consigliere, the one and only Rob Gaynor. Dude, I totally got into the show. Thanks as always to the William Mills Agency for their generous support. Thanks also to Banker Hire, Lemonade LXP, and Talking Biz News, a division of Vested LLC. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn and at the Civil War reenactment as Abraham Lincoln. Until next time, so long.
Bankadelic is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.